sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. With all the problems the church is facing today, many people wonder if there aren't some easy solutions. For instance, uh, with the number of parishes that are being closed, even dioceses that are merging, the priest shortage, couldn't we solve that by allowing uh, priests to marry and women to become priests? And yet to both of these, the church has, for a variety of reasons, consistently said no, or not really, or not yet. But what does that mean? Why does the church teach what she teaches about priestly celibacy and the male-only priesthood? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about this, this episode, this topic, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us, and the easiest way, easiest way to do so is by email. And the address, this is where I slow down. The address, dear listeners, is ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm slowing down in case you're a first time listener because normally I talk like this and I have friends who are like, Chris, you're talking too fast. I can't remember the email address. So I can't, I can't even understand the email address. Again, ignition, I G N I T I O N at SF at Sioux Falls, not San Francisco. Right. SFCatholic.org. Nothing against San Francisco. We snagged it, though. It's named after St. Francis, but we did get it. Yes. Uh, so that's the email address, folks. Uh, please feel free to reach out again if you have uh, ideas for future episodes or if you have questions about today's episode. And you might, because today we're tackling one of the hotter topics. And <sighs> the reason we're doing that is because my numbskull, I mean, my my favorite oh, co-host. Wow. <laughs> Ow. Renee Kranz uh, <laughs> proposed it for good reason, actually. So, Renee, yes. uh, not a numbskull, beloved, regular co-host of Ignition. Would you just briefly, in case folks haven't tuned in for a while or ever, uh, introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm Renee Kranz. I'm the director of communications for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, lived in Sioux Falls for 15 years, 15 years now, I believe. Oh, something like that. Maybe 17. <laughs> Ish. 2005, 17. Um, and I'm married to Ryan, uh, from Watertown area originally lived in several places. Yeah. Have a cat. <laughs> okay. Don't have any kids. Like, it's going downhill fast. Journal, yeah, like, you gotta have like the clean ending here and we're getting not. the like, well, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Renee, you actually, um, you and I were talking recently about topics, um, yeah. for this and upcoming episodes. And, and this was actually, it is, um, it is one that you raised because you're, uh, involved in some of the feedback from our, by the way, during, did you notice during my, you know, the, my standard for years now, my intro, we want to set your faith ablaze so that you may live well, the adventure. I'm sure that's where set we took it from. Set your faith ablaze. And the, the, the name of our pastoral planning <laughs> process, beautiful name is... <gasps> Set a blaze. Set a blaze. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. How about that? Yes, it's a good one. Not done by on purpose by anybody, I don't think. No. Uh, so, but you you see some of the feedback, and folks do uh, in our diocese specifically have been um, wondering or proposing, hey, if if some of the, the 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 changes that are being proposed as part of this planning process, it does seem that um, this will be alleviated if we um, allowed married priests or women priests, right? right? right. Is that yes, kind of... I've, yeah, I've heard that a 
few times. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a, it's always a mystery to me when that pops up, to be honest. Because? <laughs> um, I, I guess I've always thought the church was fairly clear on that. Right. And so it's just a, a I'm always surprised when it sure. gets when it pops up. Yeah. So we it's so this this topic is relevant to in a real way to the the planning process. People, mm-hmm. I'm sure, in addition to the the submissions that have been made mm-hmm. that you've seen, other people are probably wondering. Sure. It. Yeah. Um. And so you might be one of those people as you're listening to this episode. I might be wondering like why why I mean right. pre shortage across the country. Even if you're no matter if you live in the diocese of Sioux Falls or elsewhere, um, we could always use more priests. Right. And a lot of people are like, well, can't we just allow them to get married and ordain right. women? Wouldn't that help? Yeah. And at the very least, they've probably heard that argument from other people and might not know exactly how to counter it. Exactly. Yeah. So what we want to do is today is is whether you're somebody who asks that question or whether you're somebody going into Thanksgiving and, <laughs> and Advent and families getting together and questions come up and mm-hmm. maybe give a couple uh, thoughts and certainly then point you towards some places to look for. Yeah. Yeah. For more details. So there are two, um, they, they get oftentimes lumped together, but there right. really are in, 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 in um, significant ways, separate issues. The question of Mary made priesthood or why we have the, the, the practice of uh, priestly celibacy right. is one thing. And then the male only priesthood, mm-hmm. why women can't be ordained um, is, is a separate one. Right. So Renee, which one lets you, um, choose your own adventure Goodness. here? Uh, choose my where, own adventure. where do you want to start at least? Uh, let's start with married priests. Okay. So the, the, the first, I, I am curious to know what your questions are, but while you're thinking about those, just, to, I want to, um, get a couple things out of the way right away. So first of all, priestly celibacy is not a doctrine. It's a discipline. Mm-hmm. So it's not a doctrine. It's not a formal teaching of the church. Um, it's a practice of the church, but it's not a teaching of the church. And that's an important distinction because all the teachings of the church ultimately come from Jesus himself right. and and therefore are not changeable because they're not ours to change. Right. Practices or disciplines, uh, other, so other examples of disciplines, the language that the mass is mm-hmm. set in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fasting, fasting has there changed over the years. Yeah. So practices are things that the church, uh, if you will, as our mother, the image of the church as a mother, the, 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 these are things that, the, that our, our mother, the church asks of us to help us become holier, mm-hmm. uh, for a variety, in a variety of ways. She specifies how to live. You know, what does it mean? You know, like like my mom would teach us this. This is how we eat or the manners of our family. This is what we do as Bergwalds. Mm-hmm. Um, the church does something similar. This is what we do as Catholic Christians right. for good reasons, mm-hmm. right? So fasting, language of the mass, good reasons. But as with those, those things can change. And priestly celibacy is a discipline of the church that can uh, change and can vary. So many Catholics in the United States are not aware of the fact that there are uh, hundreds, maybe even, I'm not sure about the numbers here, there's certainly hundreds, maybe even thousands of married Catholic priests. Okay. Now, most of them are in Europe. Right. <laughs> uh, because they're Eastern Catholics. Yes. Uh, so Eastern as opposed Catholics, to Roman Catholics. As opposed to Roman, so Eastern Catholics, um, they, they, they believe everything, they, they believe all the Catholic doctrines. Mm-hmm. 
they have all the sacraments. They have bishops. They're in union with the Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the style of their their liturgy, their mass, they don't call it the mass. They have a different name. But the, the way they celebrate the sacraments, the teachings are all the same and the essentials are all there, but it's a little bit different. Okay. And the Eastern practice since, um, a, well, at least the 8th century, 8th century, not the beginning, since the 8th century, the Eastern practice has been to allow married men to be ordained as priests. Okay. So in the East, that the, 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 the discipline of priestly celibacy um, has not been present since the 8th century. Right. Um, in the West, the, even in the West, so the West, like the, Europe and the United States, there are married Catholic priests. Right. Uh, Father Drake McAllister, somebody I know, we are we are buddy buddy, but we're but we're, we're friendly mm-hmm. uh, if we're not friends. Father Drake McAllister teaches at Franciscan University of Steubenville in Steubenville, Ohio. Father Drake uh, and his wife converted Catholicism about fifteen ish. 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, he was an, uh, a, a Protestant pastor right. who became Catholic. Mm-hmm. And after several years of discerning, he asked his local bishop um, if, if, if he could pursue the possibility of ordination to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So as far as the church is concerned, he, he became Catholic. He was a layman. He was, he was baptized, but he was his, his Protestant pastorhood, if you will, um, does not carry over. Right. Uh, but he, he, um, approached his, his bishop as, as a Catholic. Um, Hey, I, 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 I feel like maybe the Lord's calling me to this, but that's a two way street. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you think? And could we, uh, pursue the possibility of that, 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 that normative practice of celibacy being dispensed? Mm -hmm. In my case, right. and so it had to go to get permission from Rome, but that was granted. And a couple of years ago, he was ordained as a Catholic priest, married with several children. Mm-hmm. So there are, and there therefore could be, yeah. in South Dakota, married men who become priests. Right. Most of the time in the U.S., the way I understand it, when you have a, a married <clears throat> priest, it has more to do with they came from the Anglican? Anglican or Lutheran, usually. Both. Now, in Father Drake's case, he was neither of right. those. He's more right. evangelical. But, but often, if there's a, if you're an Anglican priest, which has a lot of... Like, similarities. Can, similarities. Uh, they may already be married. Yep. And then they become Catholic and can stay priests. So one little kind of kind of trivia, trivial, maybe a little, it's, it's, it's a little minutia, but um, in the East and the West, and this is true for deacons as well, mm-hmm. um, if you are a married cleric, if you're a married cleric, you're you're a priest or a deacon. Who's you, so you you have to be married first. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, in the east and the west, if you're already ordained as a priest, you cannot get married unless you're completely unless you leave the the priestly right, life. Right. So um, this possibility is it's only for married men to become priests. Right. It's not for priests to get married, and that's that's true everywhere. Right. It's also the case that. Um, a married cleric whose wife dies, he cannot remarry. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So a priest, uh, sorry, so a deacon, for instance, many Catholics are familiar with permanent deacons. Mm-hmm. A permanent deacon, most of them are married, not all, mm-hmm. but most of them are married. Once his wife, if his wife dies before him, he cannot be uh, married without being laicized. Right. He'd have to leave the the, the clerics, clerical state. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's always been the case. So I, I, I want to make sure we have plenty of time for um, uh, 
to talk about male-only priesthood. But this has always been um, the case in the West of holding up celibacy. So, okay, but we could, but we could do away with it. Why don't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, because in fact, the the origins of priestly celibacy are ancient, and it seems. And there's an article I want to refer to, and a book that I want to mention. It seems actually that the Eastern practice of the norm being married men who can get ordained actually, well, well, it's it's not wrong because it's never been a doctrine. That is actually, it seems to be um, a deviation from the ancient apostolic practice. Uh, okay. So there's evidence. Um, that in the ancient church, yes, married men could be ordained, but, um, well, okay. So for our family friendly audience yes, here, yes. um, th- once a man was ordained, the practice in the early centuries of the church is he and his wife could never have marital relations Oh, again. So then you might, that's probably better if you're not married because that's going to be really rough. Right, right. Exactly. So that was, so there's a, there's a book called the apostolic origin origins of clerical celibacy or priestly celibacy, the apostolic origins of priestly or clerical celibacy. I think it's out of print, but Ignatius press published it by an Italian, um, Conchini, C O N C H I N I, uh, is, is the author. Um, but the gist of it is, is, um, summarized, uh, it's not cited, but the, the, the thing I want to point out is not unique to that book. There's an article in the national Catholic register from a couple years ago called the gift of priestly celibacy. Again, the gift of priestly celibacy. So if you get online, you do an internet search for National Catholic Register, The Gift of Priestly Celibacy by Father Brian Mullady, M-U-L-L-A-D-Y, you'll find this article. And and what Father Mullady talks about, I happen to have his article here in front of me, he refers to um, a 692 local church council. So not not ecumenical council, but it was a local gathering, um, a local council in Constantinople, they decided to forego the requirement of perpetual continence. Mm-hmm. So the idea that married uh, married men could be ordained, but they had to remain continent okay. um, with their in, in their marital life. So this local council decided to forego this requirement and allow a married priest to have relations with their wives, though they sought to make a nod to the previous practice in several ways. First, a priest who had relations with his wife could not celebrate the Eucharist the day after which put an end to daily Eucharist in the Eastern church. Ooh. Also, since the bishop, since bishops have the fullness of the priestly character, only priests who were celibate could become bishops, which is common to, contrary to the normal discipline in which religious should be bishops by way of exception and goes on. So the, the point there is they, they said, but this is, this is just too hard for us to ask God. Right couples to do men and women to do. So we're going to relax this discipline of perpetual continence Mm -hmm. and allow uh, married priests to have relations with their wives. But there were certain exceptions recognizing what had been the practice before. Right. Right. That makes sense. So it had been that way, but the West said, um, our solution is we see the value of maintaining, like there's some connection between continence and offering, offering the Eucharistic sacrifice. So we're going to go the other way and say um, that that married men cannot be ordained. Right. Okay. And this is, and, and as, as Father Milady refers to, this has been, um, you still see this this in the, pra- in the reality that bishops in the East and the West 
are always celibate. Right. Yeah. Never married right. men ordained to the bishops. Right. So any questions okay. just a couple, minute or two before well, we transition? I don't think so. I mean, from what I'm seeing, hearing here is that <clears throat> it could change in the future, but there's no, no. there's no talk of it and, and we, we nothing on the to table. To be honest, Renee, we didn't get into the reasons why we just, we gave this, the, the tradition and right. the history of it, but there are all sorts of, and not just practical reasons. Right. Uh, many priests will tell you that they see their bride as first and foremost the church, mm-hmm. their flock. Now, again, you can have married men who are priests, so um, th- th- there is that, well, I can be married too thing. Uh, but there are all sorts of reasons that can be, but the point is this has been an ancient tradition that has apostolic origins. Right, right. Uh, there are good reasons for it. We're just giving a, a little smattering of the history, but Father Milady's article might be a good one to start with. Yeah. All sorts of other things, if you... That, that, that we could point you to as well. Yeah. Ignition at sfcatholic.org would be a great email address to yes. write in. Yes. Okay. So, Next. distinct from that. <laughs> um, okay. So, we, sh- we could solve the priest shortage crisis by ordaining married men um, and ordaining women. And this is where actually the discipline doctrine. Uh, distinction is relevant right. because, in fact, on this question, it's not a matter of a discipline mm-hmm. or a practice the church could change. Um, this, in fact, is a doctrine right. um, that has always been held from the beginning with no exceptions among Catholic priests, the Catholic Church East and West, right. that priesthood is reserved to men alone. Not denigrating uh, the dignity of women, not saying that women are less than, but this in terms of different roles that we play both in nature, but also in the church, mm-hmm. um, the priesthood is for men alone. And this is, this is also one, one uh, uh, so it's a doctrine that can't change. Right. Because Jesus gave it to us. So every doctrine yeah. comes from Jesus himself. Right. So th- th- I'm glad you said that. So the church does not, the Pope, Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, JP2, going all the way back, they don't just, hey, what should our doctrines be? Let's uh, spin the roulette wheel and see <laughs> yes or no, no, yes on this, yes on that. No, no the, the, all of the church's doctrines come from Jesus himself. So did he set, is there somewhere in scripture where Jesus says priests will only be men? No, but there are a lot of teachings that come from Jesus where he doesn't explicitly speak right, them right. in the gospels. We know that they're true because he showed them to us mm-hmm. or they're found in, in the apostolic tradition, right. either implicitly within scripture or found more explicitly within tradition. Right. And this is one that goes back to Jesus. By the way, Jesus remained celibate. Yes. So the practice of celibacy, practice, not a, that one's not a doctrine. Peter, the first pope, so a New Testament priest, mm-hmm. Peter was married. We know right. that he'd been married. Right. St. Paul writes about that. Um, but Jesus himself was celibate. Mm-hmm. So there's a model there. Jesus, so for that, for that practice of priestly celibacy, Jesus himself chose only men. Right. For the New Testament priesthood, right? To the, the apostles, all of the apostles were men. All of the apostles chose as successors. So Paul choosing Timothy, mm-hmm. only men. From the very beginning, the church has only ordained men to the priesthood. That's been the constant tradition, and with a capital T. 
And it's important to remember from the very get-go that Jesus broke all sorts of societal cultural norms with regard mm-hmm. to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, his greatest disciple was his mother, who he, Mary, mm-hmm. who he did not, or the holiest, the holiest purely human being in history <laughs> yep. was Mary of, is and is yeah. Mary of Nazareth, the right. Blessed Virgin Mary. And Mary was not a priest. Right. Mary Magdalene was the apostle to the, quote unquote, the apostle of the apostles. She was the first one that in scripture to bear witness to the resurrection. She went and told the apostles, he's risen from the dead, even when they laughed at her and right. mocked her. Right. But she was not ordained to the priesthood. Jesus, for reasons, chose only men. So the church has always looked at it and said, and if you look at her language, so John Paul II, 1994, addressed this uh, in, 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 in one of his documents. The church can't. It's not that she chooses not to. Mm-hmm. The church can't ordain women to the priesthood because this is a doctrine that, like all doctrines, has its origins in Jesus himself. And it's doctrines can't change because what's true in 2000 uh, BC is true in 100 AD is true in 2022 AD. Right, right. So it can't change. Is it possible, and I know I've heard this, I've actually seen some books and stuff about this. <clears throat> is it possible that um, the men of the day just... Uh, conveniently erased out the women's names and the, and all of that. And then there's, there's no evidence okay. for that. What's there's no okay. evidence for that whatsoever. Okay. No, listen, and let's be clear in the ancient near East, it was common to have priestesses. Right. Right. Like the relit, not Judaism. Right. But, but the religions around uh, Israel, around mm-hmm. the Holy land, mm-hmm priestesses were very, very, that was a common reality. Mm -hmm. But Judaism always, Judaism, the Old Testament, always reserved the Old Testament priesthood to men alone. And in the New Testament, Jesus and his New Testament priesthood reserved priesthood to men alone. So um, there's an important distinction that I want to make here. So Throughout the history of the church, it's been commonplace that the church has always taught certain things, but the, the, when people ask, why is this true? The church, because, because she has received these doctrines, these teachings from Jesus, she hasn't like had always had to articulate the reason. Usually she hasn't had to try to understand the why mm-hmm. for these teachings until somebody challenges it right. or questions right. it. So the, the why for Jesus's divinity. Oh yeah. Didn't yeah. The, the church didn't really have to articulate arguments for Christ's divinity until the fourth century, right. 300 years after Jesus, mm-hmm. the church didn't really have to get into this because it wasn't until the the early 300s that there was a widespread challenge and question to the idea of Christ. The church has just always worshiped Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, now along comes Arius. Like, mm-hmm. wait, did, no, but I don't really think he's got the church like had to go. Okay, so how so we, we know this is true because it's been our constant teaching. But why is it true? Right. Well, we've got to, we, we've got to elaborate the teaching with an argument. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing this happen, quote unquote, in slow motion, real time in our right. day and age, <laughs> with male only priesthood. Mm-hmm. This has always been the case, but there are people over the last several decades who are like challenging it. No, that's wrong, or at least questioning. Wait, wait, why? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So there, we're sort of in the we are in the midst of there's some early attempts, but we're still in the midst of um, answering the question why for the people in our time who are a- asking this question. There hasn't been a theological argument f- to explain the teaching because it was never challenged right. until the 20th century. Right. Um, so I think it's a, so th- that's how it's always been. There's not an argument to explain, or, or there's not an explanation of the teaching until the teaching gets challenged. You know, I wonder if uh, some of the supposed challenges or the things coming out of the German uh, synod yep. will force this issue to be well, defined more. So th- 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 there's been work going on for decades in trying to explain mm-hmm. what's true. So the teaching is true, right? But why? Like it, right. it seems unfair, unjust. Mm-hmm. It seems discriminatory. Well, it can't, that can't be true because, again, if it's true, a truth from Jesus Christ can't be unfair or unjust or un, uh, sinfully, at right. least, whatever. Right. Um, like it can't be immoral. It's and just wrong. that we don't understand. We it. just don't understand <laughs> it. So there are again attempts that are have been made to give an explanation. So I want to mention two two books in particular. One is by a, a Benedictine, uh, sorry, no, yeah, Dominican priest, Father Benedict Ashley, that's why I said Benedictine, Father <laughs> Benedict Ashley, Justice in the Church, Gender and Participation. Okay. So this is a, a, a bit of a, a, a meteor read, <laughs> but those who want to dive in, <laughs> Justice in the Church. But okay. another book by Sister Sarah Butler, The Catholic Priesthood and Women, A Guide to the Teaching of the Church. Mm. The Catholic Priesthood and Women, A Guide to the Teaching of the Church. I think I've heard of that one. Is that the recent one? Oh, uh, this is, yeah, it's about 16 years okay. old at this point. Oh, but what I like recent. about this one is Sister Butler at one point was an advocate oh. for the ordination of women. Interesting. And by, I think, the, by the late 80s, because of, of, of the witness of John Paul II and the esteem with which he held women mm-hmm. and what he said about the dignity of women sort of prompted her to question, why, why, am I, why have I thought that women should be ordained and, and, and led her to actually uh, change her mind and come to understand and embrace the church's mm-hmm. teaching. And, and for, so it's a guide to the teachings of the church. So she, in this book, is sort of working out some of the reasons to explain the why. Right. So again, her point is the church has always said this is true, but the reasons f- to answer the question, why is that true? They're in the midst of being worked out. And she gives some initial answers. We don't, in 15, 20 right. minutes, we don't have time to get <laughs> right. into those, but this is a book that I would also highly recommend yeah. for folks. Yeah. So again, with all the teachings of the church, we're called to accept them as true because we believe they come from Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then we should ask why. Yeah. Not in a like, oh, come on. Right. But I'm we should prove like, you wrong. To, why? Right, yeah. But try to understand. And I would point to Father Ashley and especially Sister Butler's books as two places to start. So, Renee, we've got like less than a minute left. Any, any thoughts? Well, I think it's really helpful for people as they're getting it together with family because these questions come up sometimes they yep. come up to me and I'm always like, well, uh, because it's always been that way. <laughs> right. Right. And listen, so. I would be very open if, if we need to s- spend an episode or more unpacking right. either or both of these, that's something we could do in the, in the future. But I, as you said, like especially with the set of blaze in our diocese mm-hmm. and going into the holiday season, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, questions come up, and 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 folks might want to uh, be able to point some things. So I know that we didn't get into like meaty arguments, yeah. but at least maybe today could serve as an appetizer yes. for your Thanksgiving yes. meal. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Yes. Renee, thanks for being here today again. Thanks, folks. That will wrap up this episode. Again, you can email us. 
ignition at sfcatholic.org, ignition at sfcatholic.org with questions about today's episode or ideas for future ones. Until next time, may God bless you.